recession with stagflation. Um, what camp are you in? Do you think it will be that or not as bad as that? Well, I, I, uh, I think Mr. Rubini uh, is comfortably in the most extreme and bearish case scenario. Uh, and hopefully we'll uh, hit somewhere in the middle uh, between a soft landing and Mr. Rubini. Um, um, I do think that we have the opportunity uh, to uh, come out of a recession that uh, I think uh, uh, could be uh, much more gentler. Um, and I think that depends on what China does uh, and what the supply side of inflation, uh, a lot of the bottlenecking on the, uh, the capacity uh, mm-hmm. supply chain. These are all issues that... Um, higher interest rates are not going to fix. Okay, uh, so Peter. we may get a break uh, by uh, having the supply side of uh, inflation resolve itself. Okay, Peter. Well, thank you for your thoughts there. That's Peter Kim, Managing Director and Investment Strategist at KB Securities. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. With all that gloom, let's take a final look at the markets, which are equally gloomy. The ASX 200 in Australia, off now 1.1%. Markets in Japan are closed uh, for a public holiday. In South Korea, the Cosby is down 0.6%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to fall another 50 points or so at the open this morning. Do have a great weekend. Please join me again on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. Coming up after the news is Back Chats with Janice Wong and Andrew Work. The weather forecast, mainly fine and hot. Going to be about 32 degrees in urban areas, a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. Windy in the next few days, sunny periods and isolated showers during the weekend. Temperature right now, 28 degrees, 79% relative humidity. 8.31, here's Andrew Shosky with the half-hour news. Thank you, Peter. The chairman of a Hong Kong real estate agency says he expects activity to slow down in the property sector after five major banks in the SAR raised their interest rates for the first time in four years. Nicholas Brook, the chairman of Professional Property Services, said the move was largely anticipated after the U.S. Federal Reserve hiked interest rates. He said he expected to see buyers taking a more measured approach. Hong Kong recorded 5,990 new COVID infections yesterday, including 163 imported cases. More than 2,200 patients are now being treated in public hospitals, including 20 in intensive care. 17 more people with COVID have died. Dr. Albert Al from the Center for Health Protection says it appears that a current wave has peaked, and he expects a further decline in the daily caseload. It is pretty obvious now that the peak is really over and the COVID situation is trending down. In terms of sewage surveillance and also hospital admission numbers, they are stable and they are actually trending down also. Also, BA5 is taking up a pretty high proportion. And in the light of um, overseas experience, and BA5 is hitting something like 80%. It would be uh, hitting a plateau and the caseload in the community will be coming down on a gradual basis.
Police have arrested three more private doctors on suspicion of issuing exemption certificates for COVID jabs without performing medical consultations. Officers said the doctors, two men and a woman, have clinics in Yunlong, Tin Soiwai, and Chaiwan. Police said suspicions were raised by the number of certificates issued. Overseas now, Japan has decided to lift its tough border controls on foreign visitors from the 11th of October, ending two and a half years of COVID-related isolation. The Prime Minister Fumio Kishida said the government would eliminate the cap on visitor numbers and allow visa-free travel for individuals. And astronomers say they've observed a hot bubble of gas orbiting at an astonishing speed around the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. Data from a radio telescope in Chile suggested the bubble had an orbit similar in size to that of Mercury's around our sun. But calculations show that before it was destroyed by Sagittarius A, it orbited the black hole in 70 minutes instead of the 88 days Mercury takes. Astronomers said this required a mind-blowing velocity of about 30% of the speed of light. The immense pull of Sagittarius A, with 4 million times the mass of our sun, gives our Milky Way galaxy its characteristic swirl. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat with me, Andrew Work. And me, Janice Wong. Today is September 23rd, and we are looking at allegations of doctors abusing the COVID vaccination exemption system and what that means for the fight against COVID. Police have arrested five doctors and more than 20 people who allegedly bought exemption certificates from them without a proper medical consultation for anything from hundreds to thousands of dollars per certificate, raking in millions. And while these cases have yet to be litigated by the courts, there's been an outburst of indignant condemnation of the practice. Chief Secretary Eric Chan has castigated doctors who place their personal interests above the social good. How common are cases of healthcare fraud in Hong Kong? Are doctors undermining the vaccination program, making it the weak link in Hong Kong's anti-COVID armor? And after 9.15, we've got a super interesting topic. Uh, we're going to be looking at how a new non-invasive do-it-yourself kit for cervical cancer may be helping women. The time is now to share your questions, comments, and opinions on our Facebook page, Backchat at RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us at 2338-8266. And kicking off today's show, we are getting medical with Dr. David Lamb, uh, the Medical and Health Services uh, LegCo member, lawmaker. Welcome, Dr. Lamb. Good morning. Good morning. And we also welcome Dr. Gabriel Choi, who's a member of the Hong Kong Medical Council. Good morning, Dr. Choi. Morning. Morning. Good morning. Uh, let's see. Let's start with you, David Lamb. Uh, you know, this is a little bit of a breaking situation, but I think it's maybe something people suspected might have been going on. Uh, can you give us the outline of this of this of these allegations? police investigation. Probably we cannot go into the individual cases too much. But in general, what we understand is that some doctors out there have been issuing uh, exemption certificates to people certifying that they are unsuitable for COVID vaccination um, and allegedly without proper examination. So this is a time when we still have to boost our vaccination rate, especially the elderly and the youngest. So such kind of a manipulation out there is very desirable 
and can be counterintuitive to our uh, overall strategy for combating the virus. Yeah, and we, we can see this be problematic. And of course, it's it's not just doctors, but I understand there's also support staff because this uh, this turned into a little bit of uh, the you know we would have to put the word allegedly in front of pretty much every sentence on this show <laughs> while we're discussing it, but. Uh, you know, allegedly this turned into a bit of a machine with the administration just cranking these out. We saw uh, police reports and the evidence uh, was was millions of dollars cash. Uh, so presumably this, you know, this required a bit of a, a, an administrative operation to go along with it. It wasn't just the doctors themselves, correct? Uh, it takes two to clap. So there must be a perceived need in society. Uh, and that, I would say, is a very ill-informed kind of a situation because the vaccine is actually very helpful, uh, very safe, and we should actually try to encourage people to receive it instead of uh, substantiating or helping them to evade the vaccination. Mm. Uh, Dr. Gabriel Choi, uh, you know, you've been a respected member of the Hong Kong uh, medical establishment for, for many years. Uh, what, you know, I'm sure you talked to a lot of the doctors. Was there a suspicion among other doctors that this was going on? Well, I think this uh, is to be expected. Uh, this uh, vaccination is, uh, is, is to be expected because there are a lot of citizens who are very worried about the side effects of the vaccine chose not to have the, the vaccine uh, introduced to themselves or to their family members. I've encountered uh, patients who have uh, medical certificates uh, written by the hospital authority saying that they have a major surgery and so on, and they are very concerned about having the vaccination. Although I explained to them that uh, that is not a absolute contraindication for vaccination, they insist to have the um, exemption certificate. I cannot give them an exemption certificate because they are not my uh, patients and I have no knowledge of their uh, previous uh, medical problems. So I have to ask them to go back to the HA, to hospital authority to get the certificate if they want. Now, uh, <clears throat> I would propose to offset these uh, events, uh, that governments should have a uh, uh, outpatient clinic to deal with these problems. They should designate a uh, medical officer to overrun, to overlook, to overlook the uh, exemption certificates. And because they have, they, they would have the uh, computer software to check the uh, health status of the patients if they have been. Uh, public, uh, public, uh, of all the patients. And then they, they would know better whether to, uh, provide such certificates. I, the, I, I, I also would condemn the, um, the doctors who would be giving out, uh, examining certificates without, uh, medical, uh, conservation and, uh, examination. But the amount of patients or citizens who came for the uh, exams so that there is a huge number of the population who is uh, not happy with the uh, procedure and con concerned about the side effects of vaccination. And there are minor side effects to be sure. Uh, you get uh, uh, 
aches and pains, you get uh, urinary problems, you get uh, chest pains, you get uh, uh, heart problems uh, with uh, raised cardiac enzymes after the vaccine. So uh, there, there are side effects to the vaccine, but these side effects are uncommon and it should be explained to the patients and it just takes a lot of time. So uh, if someone can do this in their own clinic, you'll be, you'll be um, more trusting and more insured. And uh, I think this is one, one of the ways to prevent uh, abuse of the system. Dr. Choi, uh, earlier, I mean, just now you said uh, these cases are expected. Uh, do you have any idea on how many people might be holding exemption certificates who haven't had a medical consultation? I don't think the, the, the citizens would deny a consultation, but they want a certificate uh, for reasons which are not strong enough the indications are not strong enough for the doctors to issue the certificate. So if they come to a, a doctor and give them the reasons and give the doctors the reasons, then the reasons may not be strong enough for the acceptance certificate to be given. So they opt out and go to these uh, uh, doctors who just sell the certificates without examination. Yeah, this, now, yeah, uh, this... we should not uh, as you said just now, these are uh, allegations, and we have to wait for the courts, uh, uh, sentencing, and, and decisions to say that the crime has been committed. No, so, uh, as a medical counselor, I would suggest uh, uh, people not to dictate the sentencing part and leave it to the courts and the medical counsel. But and what do doctors? Oh, um... uh, these doctors should be. Uh, removed from the register. All right, Dr. Choi, this is the what, job of the medical council. Can you tell us a bit more about uh, what doctors usually uh, have to consider when they decide whether patients meet conditions for an exemption? I think you have to know the patient first. You have to really know the patient. He has to be your patient for quite a while and you know the illness and you know that this illness are contraindications for vaccination. It is no good for them to come along and tell you that, oh, 10 years history of uh, uh, what, what and what disease, which is a contraindication for vaccination, because they, this is not, this cannot be confirmed. And uh, you have to, to, to know the patient long enough to confirm this. And that is why it's difficult. Uh, most of the doctors are not keen about examination certificates because of the guidelines that have been provided by the uh, uh, by the government. The guidelines produced by the government has been written up by uh, many specialist organizations and most of the uh, major illnesses are not strong contraindications to, vaccinate, to vaccination. And therefore it will be very difficult if you follow the guidelines to issue an examination exemption certificate. So the guidelines, they don't really list out uh, any illnesses or, or symptoms that qualify for an exemption then? Oh, they list out the illnesses. They do list out the illnesses? They do list out the illnesses that, that are not contraindications to vaccination. 
Got it. So there, so there is a checklist out there. And I mean, uh, you know, as Janice said, you said it was to be expected. We know that, uh, you know, presumably both of you are speaking to doctors, uh, and I guess some of them are not giving out exemptions willy-nilly. Uh, but it sounds like it was expected that some would. And I mean, uh, you know, there, there's kind of, you know, I would, I would claim there's been a widespread appreciation that some doctors are just, you know, are, are, are themselves more conservative and uh, weren't, weren't confident about the vaccines. And so they were more likely to give out exemptions and, you know, leading to patients going doctor shopping if they wanted to get an exemption. Was it, was there an appreciation that like, do doctors talk among themselves and say, Oh yeah, I know that guy though. He's just given out exemptions to anybody that wants them. He doesn't believe in the vaccines. Do you, do you have that kind of, do you have those conversations within the medical community? Uh, after the arrest, uh, of course there are uh, people talking about the doctors who were arrested and uh, what they have done in the past and so on. But uh, this is irrelevant. Yeah. David, David Lamb, did you hear those kind of conversations uh, prior to these arrests? No, I don't. Okay. So the, no, there, don't. there wasn't an appreciation among the medical community that maybe there was some funny business out there. Uh, I think there might be some kind of businesses out there, but then we are not aware who might be doing these things and we don't know the scale definitely. Right. Uh, you know, because I mean, these are two different things, doctors that were maybe more prone to giving out medical exemptions. And I'm sure word gets around among people who are seeking to get an exemption. We'll speak to other people who are, who are looking for it. I mean, Facebook groups and that type of thing. Uh, you know, did doctors get a reputation for being more or less likely to give out an exemption? I'm not aware uh, that some doctors are so-called more prone to uh, issue some sort of certificate, but of course it is always a clinical judgment and when it comes to judgment one takes into the consideration of a lot of different factors including the patient's medical condition, the psychological condition and other reasons that he may think reasonable. So it is quite difficult to say uh, who might be more particular prone to issue any kind of certificates. Yeah, because I mean, if patients are out there doctor shopping, I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with these these cases now, these allegedly cases right. where they were they were providing these medical certificates without even a consultation. But yeah. I mean, if 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 the word got out that a particular doctor was, you know, and was oh, very likely to have an exemption, uh, could he just always claim, well, I saw the patient, it was my medical opinion, and, yeah, and have an airtight defense? Some, there must be some some information out there, otherwise people won't know where to go to get those medical certificates. Right. And of course, it's a sheer wrong just to issue certificates without a consultation. Yeah. Do Do you think that uh, as long as doctors see a patient, they can just they can always they they no. have an airtight legal defense that they can always claim no. that that was my medical no. opinion. No. No. You always have to substantiate your decision. I think it's just the same whether it is for medical exemption, other medical certificates, or even for a diagnosis. You can't say, because I've seen him, so he must have appendicitis. You can't right. say that. If it turns out it's not appendicitis, then someone will drill into your uh, clinical history, physical examination, and look at the grounds and see if those grounds can stand to test if you say it's a particular disease. So it is all the same. When there's a judgment, you will be assessed by your peers. And it's on the record. Okay, Janice? All right. Yeah, that's uh, 
Dr. Lam, um, just now, uh, Dr. Choi, he suggested uh, uh, maybe the government should uh, tighten the vaccine exemption procedure by uh, setting out an outpatient clinic to deal with uh, all these exemption uh, exemption, uh, uh, claims. What do you think of that idea? Well, there's just one possibility. But at the same time, we must understand that some people have their family doctors, and family doctors are best positioned to issue all kinds of certificates because he knows the patient well not only for once, but for many years. Um, and the, when we're talking about uh, medical certificates, one thing we have to still remember is that we are also facing a great problem with an aging population. And to deal with that, one uh, core issue is to promote family doctors. If we have enough family doctors, I mean, if people have their own family doctors, then these are the people who are best positioned to say whether one is suitable for a kind of treatment, whether one should undergo some sort of uh, consultation or receive some some kind of uh, treatment or even a certificate. So I think besides the government can be doing that proactively, family doctors should also be um, authorized to issue medical certificates of all kinds, including these medical exemption certificates for vaccination. Dr. Choi, what's your reaction to that? Uh, that's right. Uh, but as I said just now, you have to be the family doctor who has been seeing the patient for years. But uh, it, uh, those who come for certificates are, have not seen your patients for years. They just, come, they just pop, pop up and uh, appear all of a sudden. So you do not know their past medical history. Mm. And as for the... Uh, uh, what David said just now is true that uh, the 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 doctor cannot just say that uh, oh I I think that he should be extended. There should be a proper medical record, proper documentation that the reasons for exemptions certificates should be in the records. And uh, if it is not, then uh, this this uh, does not, may amount to misconduct. Okay, uh, we're, we're joining the show now by Alex Lam. Alex is the chairman of the Hong Kong Patients' Voices. Uh, good morning, Al- Alex. Good morning. Good morning. So, Alex, uh, you know, I think you've uh, been, been on, the, on the line for a couple of minutes, get, a, get the gist of the conversation. Uh, with, within the, the, the patients' rights community that you represent, what, what rights are they asking for in this case? Are they asking for the right not to get vaccinated, uh, or are they concerned they're not getting enough services to be able to access uh, vaccination? What, what, is, what, is, what are you hearing? I think I have uh, heard uh, quite a number of uh, um, voices about um, uh, the, the options they have uh, in regards to uh, the, uh, um, the vaccination because uh, some patients are concerned that uh, they, they uh, given their medical conditions for, for say, for years, they they concerned that uh, the, the vaccination will have some uh, effect on them, side effects, for example, that uh, they are quite reluctant to get the vaccination. They, well... They have consulted doctors, and and some doctors will say uh, better not get the, the vaccination yet. The, the doctors are unwilling to to issue the, the exemption certificate. Some doctors say that you better get a, 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 a vaccination; it's good for you. And uh, and uh, after they get the vaccination, they have a serious side effects, and they uh, even admitted to hospitals. And after the uh, release, they, they try to lodge a claim uh, from the compensation fund, and they were rejected. 
Right. Uh, so so it, it, it's all about whether uh, patients have the the options to get the uh, to get access to the exemption letter in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, I have uh, heard uh, um, cases that. Uh, when when people try to uh, consult a doctor or make inquiry for getting the exemption letter, uh, it's quite um, difficult uh, because uh, even before you get the uh, the chance to see the doctor, mm-hmm. uh, they will simply say, uh, "Well, we we are not uh, issuing any uh, exemption certificate, or we are no longer issuing exemption certificate," no. because uh, as we can see, uh, well, it's a speculation that. Uh, by issuing exemption certificate, there will be some consequences, if not uh, responsibility. Um, and now we see that uh, by issuing certificate, uh, some doctors are arrested and they are still under the investigation. We, we don't know there are any breach of a professional conduct, whether there is a breach of law by uh, knowingly issuing a, a, a certificate uh, without really uh, conducting any examination. Uh, or clinical judgment on the the, uh, the patient's concern. So it, it's all about whether they have the, the option, because uh, without this certificate, uh, and uh, even though they are unwilling to, to, uh, to get the vaccination, they are quite impossible to get access to anywhere in Hong Kong, including hospitals. Yeah. Mr. Lam, you just talked about how some uh, some patients uh, have difficulty getting these exemptions. What kind of, um, can, you, can you tell us what kind of uh, illness they're suffering from? Well, I have uh, one case. Uh, he's uh, suffering uh, uh, brain disease, and uh, it's a known uh, uh, exam case uh, for certain uh, uh, vaccine that uh, uh, doctor advised him not to uh, better not to get the vaccination. But they're still reluctant to issue the certificate. Another case is that I have a case uh, is uh, uh, actually my friend. He's suffering from a motor neuron disease, uh, meaning that uh, he has some. Um, uh, problem with the uh, neural system. Uh, his days uh, are accounting, uh, actually numbered. Uh, yet he's not able to get an exemption later. And mm-hmm. now he's able to get one from a doctor. And my friend was visited by, by police officer uh, yesterday morning at 7 a.m. by, you know, examining whether he's a genuine case. Or not. Be, is so, it because is it because he went to one of the doctors that has since yeah, been arrested? He went to one of these uh, arrested doctors for for this certificate. I mean, it, this raises so, the question that they've said three doctors have been arrested, but uh, if they've issued thousands of certificates, you know, it takes it takes two to tango, and, and presumably thousands of people are, are going to be charged well, as well. Yeah, we, we we don't know whether those uh, cases involve uh, 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 a genuine case of uh, um, defraud. Because uh, by using a certificate without any um, medical examination, clinical judgment, uh, or reliance on the, the guidelines, there may be a breach. By using this certificate, the doctor may be uh, uh, guilty of the offense. Uh, as to the patient, we, we don't know because uh, they consider they have certain medical condition and they, they went to see the doctor and the doctor gave them this certificate by paying a fee. That, that presumably a uh, fee for the, the doctor for the examination, and there may be some cases, uh, some uh, um, tests conducted. Yeah. We, we don't know. So, so um, yet we, the medical council has to receive, uh, you know, such a complaint or cases as to whether further investigation should be uh, um, conducted. Right. I've got an email here from Doug. I've got a few, actually, but I'll, I'll just throw in this one from Doug right now. He says, the recent allegations about issue of exemption certificates gives rise to fears about other 
malpractice or incompetence by doctors like misdiagnosis or issue of sick leave con- uh, certificates. It's very concerning. Uh, you know, Gabriel Choi, is this, is this, um, are you worried that this is going to lead to a broader kind of lock, lack of, con- or kind of undermine confidence in doctors in general? Do you, think, do you think people should need two signatures, one from their family doctor and one from an independent authority to, to reduce this kind of uh, abuse? That will only create more difficulties for the patient. True, true. I mean, but do you think it's, do you think it's necessary to avoid abuse of the system and increase vaccination rates? responsibility. That's kind of how they do it for non-doctor peoples when they've been accused of a crime. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Doctors should get special treatment. Hey, I, I do want to thank you, Dr. Gabriel Choi. We're hitting the top of the hour, and I know you have to go. Uh, but in the second half of the show, we are going to uh, have David, uh, Dr. David Lamb and Alex Lamb uh, on. So please stay with us for the second half of that. Uh, I'm getting emails. We're getting Facebook comments. That's great. We'll start the half hour with some of those. In the meantime, we'll give you a hit on the weather. Mainly fine and hot, around 32 degrees maximum in urban areas, even higher in the new territories. Right now, it's 28 degrees Celsius and 75% humidity. False information. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Protest. Janice Wong. And uh, today we're uh, we're talking about, in the first part of the show, uh, we're talking about the doctors uh, that have been accused of running uh, operations where they were selling COVID exemptions so people could access everything, could basically go everywhere in Hong Kong without having to get their uh, COVID vaccine or showing proof of it. I'm going to lead off with a couple of uh, comments from our Facebook page. Uh, Jenna Lee says, Forcing vaccination on everything that moves is still the real issue. The public doesn't give two hoots about the fakers. Kim has a different opinion. Kim says the Hong Kong government didn't seem to have a problem implementing restrictions that penalize the vaccinated. 
Uh, on that basis, if I'm the view, they should penalize those who are proven to in- have intentionally faked and lied about their conditions to either issue or pay for these certifications. This will also just make it more difficult for those who really need an exemption, just pure, selfish and irrational, immoral people. So we've got one that says people don't care. We've got one that says they are irrational, immoral people. Uh, we're, jo- we're still uh, joining the show. We still have uh, Dr. David Lamb for the medical and health services lawmaker and Alex Lamb, the chairman from Hong Kong Patients Voices. Um, Dr. David Lamb, two opposing views. Uh, Kim says it's selfish and irrational, immoral. Is it illegal? What could people uh, who have gotten one of these exemptions who laid down their $4,000, what could they be charged with? Do, do, you have an, uh, do you know what the legal charge would be? Is it fraud or is it something else? You're asking me, but that's a legal question. I think Alex is a lawyer. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Alex, are you also a lawyer? Yeah, well, I, I'm not also a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. Uh, yes. Um, so well, what could they be charged well, with? Well, uh, yes. Uh, if um, 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 the doctor concerned uh, is engaged in the, uh, accepting, uh, a, um, accepting money uh, by issuing a sort of case, knowing that uh, this particular patient is uh, not um, eligible for uh, getting this exemption letter, and there's no basis for the doctor to issue this sort of case to the patient, there may be, uh, there may be uh, a, a crime of uh, fraud. Okay, and, so... Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, but because uh, the, the, the circuit itself uh, may be used for uh, defaulting, um, you know, uh, other people, I- including getting access to certain places. Right, and I mean, given how many people have been, and we all watch TV cop shows and and you know movies, we all know that if you go to the police and you flip, you might be able to get a reduced sentence or even get off of prosecution if you flip the other party, the uh, you know the mastermind. Uh, are there going to be a rush of people that got these exemptions going to the police station today to say, hey, I'm going to give up my doctor if you don't prosecute me? Well, no, not, uh, you not know, that easy. <laughs> no, no, because if the crime has been committed, there will be um, consequences and there's no uh, time limit for most of the uh, criminal offenses. And, and uh, fraud is one of the, the offenses that uh, you, there's no time limit. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I'm talking about plea bargaining where they go in and they say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll hand in the big fish, which are the doctors that are, you know, raking in the money, issuing these certificates. Uh, if, if, if I give you the evidence that I participated in this, could they, could they, uh, I'm not saying they would get it, but could they, and especially if there's thousands of people offering it, but could they offer to? Yes, they, they have to uh, offer genuine information, and this information has to be useful for, for the investigation and, and successful prosecution. Uh, but uh, if in, in the event that the uh, police already have sufficient information that uh, even you offer certain information which may be useful, it may not be helpful. Right. Because the, the police already have uh, you know, sufficient evidence, enormous evidence to, to prosecute the, the doctors or doctor concerns. So um, it may not be helpful and it may not be accepted as a, uh, uh, a, a mitigation factor. Right. Dr. Lam, um, I, I just want to go back to uh, what we were discussing before the news and uh, right. um, uh, Alex Lam, he, he talked about uh, um, how some of his patients who have uh, maybe a brain disease or, or neuromuscular problems, they, uh-huh. they have a difficulty getting exemptions or, or could not get exemptions. I mean, are, are these um, illnesses that uh, qualify for an exemption? No, one must understand medical service is not a commercial commodity. So you don't go and buy it, but it's based on need. And doctors judge whether someone has a need for a particular treatment. 
Now, if you talk about neurological diseases, there are certain neurological diseases which contraindicate the use of um, one kind of vaccine amongst the two that we have in Hong Kong. But then one has to ask if the other vaccine is suitable for that particular person. And if it is, then the doctor, the responsible doctor, should be advising or even encouraging that particular patient to go and receive the other vaccine. Because if someone who, because of illnesses, is vulnerable, he will be running a much higher risk of developing severe disease or even die of it if he contract COVID, right? So a responsible doctor should be telling the patient not only if he can receive one particular vaccine, but also telling him whether he should receive any kind of vaccination and whether such kind of vaccination will be helpful to him to prevent a severe consequence in case he contracts COVID. And that being the situation, it would be quite wrong to just go after one particular disease and say, hey, I've got this disease and I can't even get the medical exemption certificates because I have this disease. That kind of thinking is probably uh, not quite true, not quite correct to start off with. And another point that we have left off before the news is that uh, should there be other measures to avoid doctors abusing the system. Now, one must realize that for the past three years, the vast majorities of doctors, nurses, and other medical professionals have been risking their lives, their health, and forfeiting themselves of time with the family and loved ones in order to fight the COVID. Uh, many have not been going home for a long time during the fifth wave. They just stayed in the hospital and then hotel rooms and then the hospital again. Mm. So now that we are kind of labeling doctors as habitual criminals, I think that is not quite fair to us. Well, I'm sure that many people recognize the, the huge sacrifice that had been made by so many of our healthcare professionals. Uh, but I, I imagine that when those healthcare professionals hear about this kind of behavior, I mean, it must infuriate them, yeah? We are. That's why we issued a reprimand uh, yesterday, two days ago. Yeah. A reprimand? Yeah. A, re- yes, a, rep- a, reprimand, a, a reprimand kind of sounds like what you give to a 14-year-old. A who, I mean, it doesn't we sound... We issued a statement of reprimand. We issued a statement of reprimand in the uh, news. Okay, so a statement of reprimand yeah. doesn't sound very uh, convincing. I mean, to, maybe maybe it is. Maybe you need to explain what a statement of reprimand is. But, I mean, uh, you know, if somebody issued me a step, statement of reprimand, I'd kind of, like, roll my eyes and be like, oh, boo-hoo. I mean, it, does, it doesn't sound like very strong measures. Or it does it mean something different in the medical community? matter in a substantial way but what we can do as colleagues is to condemn such kind of action Mm. and before uh, the case is put to court we can't say too much about each individual case but besides reprimanding we also encourage people to go for the vaccination if they have not yet been vaccinated or have not yet completed their three doses of vaccination this is very important if you look at the numbers the three dose vaccinated elderly, mm. uh, if you talk about the about 80, stands only as about 54%. That means nearly half of our elderly people above 80 are not fully vaccinated and fully protected from the virus. And mm. they are the ones who tend to have the most severe consequences. And if you talk about the 70 and above, 
of 70 to 80, then the three-dose vaccination rate is just not too high as well. It's like 74%. And of course, we have the other extreme of age, the very young ones. Uh, again, we need to work harder on that particular age group. This is very important because our strategy today in Hong Kong as a whole is to protect the vulnerable while we try our very best to open up Hong Kong again to the rest of the world. Yeah, but I mean, protecting our vulnerable has been protecting them from getting vaccinated by issuing them no, large numbers of exemptions. That is, exactly, that is wrong. That's yeah. why we, we issue a statement of reprimand. Yeah. And then we welcome the police taking action to pick out all those people who are not doing the right thing. Alex, do you think a statement of reprimand is sufficient, or do you think these people should be barred from practicing for life? Oh, well, a statement of reprimand is uh, just our well, peer. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not talking about the medical council. It's far from there yet. Yeah. And at the end of the day, these people, if they have committed a crime, they will be prosecuted. And the courts of law, the criminal court, will decide whether they are convicted or not. And mm. if they are convicted, they will have their uh, criminal sentence. And then they will refer the case to medical counsel, who will then look into it. So what's meant by a statement of reprimand is a statement issued by peers. It's not a legal instrument. Right. And right. Dr. Lam, so, so like you mentioned, you and several others in the medical sector have issued a, a joint statement condemning the actions of these doctors accused of abusing the government's uh, vaccine exemption procedure. Um, what about in LegCo? What, what uh, further uh, follow-up action will you be taking? This case is already under police investigation, so uh, it's just not correct for LegCo at this stage to take any action. Well, well not just so that, we not for this case, but like in terms of uh, the exemption procedure, like we mentioned earlier in the program um, about suggestions to sort of tighten it, uh, to allow out, you know, uh, what Dr. Choi was suggesting, allow uh, outpatient uh, clinics to deal with it or other suggestions. measures needed to issue such certificates, it is unnecessary for, for it to pass LegCo. And secondly, I would still think the vast majorities of doctors are very responsible person, have very high moral grounds, and we do our own judgment for our patients after due investigation and, I mean, due consultation. So there is really no need to, uh, as Dr. Choi said, um, put additional pressure on the patient to get a second opinion in order to get a medical certificate. Right. So you won't even be it raising any like motions or anything then? It is the same around the world that yeah. for any medical certification you need one doctor's uh, judgment and not two. Right. And Mr. Lam, what's your what's your view on this uh, suggestion by uh, Dr. Choi earlier? I'm not sure if you're, you joined us on the, the, the discussion yet. Um, he was uh, suggesting that uh, um, the government uh, should uh, set up maybe an outpatient clinic to deal with uh, um, problems or, or uh, other um, applications of exemption uh, certificates. Well, the government has already uh, set up a, a clinic for, for uh, um, um, examining uh, patients to see whether they're suitable for the vaccination. Uh, however, there is only one institution and it's a long queue and uh, it's quite, um, uh, as far as I know, that is quite uh, uh, impossible to get an exemption. So it is uh, something that uh, when, when, when Dr. Choi is trying to, to uh, um, um, uh, uh, lobby that uh, we, we should tighten the the uh, the the, the um, certificate uh, 
requirement. Uh, but yet, uh, I think it is also important that uh, the, the medical association uh, should should let uh, people know that uh, which particular doctor or which particular clinics uh, are willing to issue uh, such a certificate. Because as I mentioned earlier, that uh, uh, patients are quite difficult to get uh, a doctor to issue a certificate, not because they're, they're based on their medical condition, is that they, they are, when they phone up the, the, the clinic, the clinic will simply say, we are not issuing any certificate. Okay. No what. Yeah, I've, I've got an email here from Mr. Singh. Uh, he says someone. He says that he is seriously affected after being injected with the vaccine. Um, when he went to get an exempted certi- an exemption certificate from the government doctor, uh, they said if, he claims if you're not dead within a few hours of taking the vaccine, then it's okay for you. Uh, Mr. Singh says that he has a skin problem that gets worse after the vaccine, but he feels like the government doctor doesn't care. Uh, in those cases, where can he go other than a private doctor that charges you thousands of dollars? That's his experience um thousands of dollars and you know the like i said earlier the photos we've seen cash um i've come across this many times doctors in hong kong dentists in hong kong they insist on people paying in cash i remember the time my my wife got me to take the kids down i was shocked it was there were some procedures involved dental it was five thousand dollars i'm like cash really is that a warning sign that maybe things are not all right with that doctor if i mean because i think it's still quite widespread but i mean People taking thousands and thousands of dollars and insisting on cash, to, you know, I mean, in any other business scenario, you would think that that indicated a high level of, you know, tax evasion or something funny going on. Is, is that a warning sign for people, Dr. David Lamb, that if your doctor's insisting for, you know, cash only in their practice? I'm still practicing and I accept cash, uh, credit cards, and I don't think there's anything wrong with cash alone because cash is and accept a currency and if somebody well there are some restaurants out there that only accept cash and if you go to the western tunnel harbor tunnel again they only accept cash yeah so but they're they're, someone, they're taking under a hundred dollars i mean these are these are places taking maybe under 100 right, I mean, 200 dollars thousands and thousands of dollars cash only. law which law is there to forbid uh, anyone from receiving only cash i mean I can't say that because someone only takes cash, therefore what he's doing is fishy. But certainly if someone thinks for other reasons someone is might be doing something lawful, you can always report to the police and investigate. But just because someone takes cash instead of anything else, uh, I don't think there's any issue there. It's a legal currency, isn't it? It, it is. It, yeah, it is a legal currency. So what's the point? What's the problem with taking legal currency? Yeah, I'm usually a big fan. I just mean sometimes it could be a red flag. Al- Alex, do you advise patients if they go to a doctor who insists on cash only for everything, even even if it's like a ten, fifteen thousand dollar? Well, normally uh, people uh, when when they can consult a doctor, they expect that the, the fees will be something like uh, you know several hundred uh, dollars or, or a few thousand dollars, and when the, the amount is, uh, is going to getting higher and higher, they should, uh, well, at least the, the doctor or the clinic should uh, let uh, the, the patient know about this mm-hmm. cash only. Uh, then they, they should uh, get somewhere else or go somewhere else to get cash. So it is about the information they, they should have uh, got uh, before, um, you know, accepting uh, the service from yeah. the doctor. Yeah. I just want to ask uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Alex Lam, you, you earlier you talked about a government uh, clinic that, uh, that uh, deals with uh, exemptions uh, and you said the queues were very long. Can you, can you just tell me how long are the queues and uh, what's the um, and how many people usually uh, 
manage to get an exemption from the I, clinic? I don't have the information now, but uh, previously I was told that uh, there may be months that uh, be, uh, you have to wait before you can get uh, a place. Mm. Well, one more quick one to wrap it up, guys. Uh, if you got an exemption earlier, but now you think, oh, maybe I should get vaccinated, can you do that? Or have you kind of stuck yourself in a box by saying, you know, by getting a medical exemption certificate now, you, you, can you go back on that? Oh, yes, I can see why not. Okay. Maybe Dr. Lang can, can answer this question. Yeah, you can. You can always go to the doctor, and uh, the doctor will then reassess you, and then if the doctor thinks fine, it's no longer an indicate a contraindication there, then you can give the vaccination. Okay. One very common situation is the, uh, the COVID uh, infection. Previously, the exemption case is like six months, but then we now understand you don't need to wait that long before you get the next shot. So sometimes we give it a bit earlier than that. Okay, well, hopefully that'll be useful for some of our listeners if they got an exemption, but now think maybe they should get the vaccine. Hey, uh, it's been a really great show. So many uh, great things to explore here. Thank you to Dr. David Lam from the Medical and Health Services Lawmaker and Alex Lam, Chairman from Hong Kong Patients Voices for joining us on this important topic. And I also want to say uh, thanks to all the doctors and medical staff out there who are fighting the good fight and doing the right thing every day, uh, fighting COVID and keeping Hong Kong healthy. Thank you. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And we're back on Backchat, and uh, we're keeping with the medical theme today, but we are looking into the future of uh, hopefully a new form of liquid biopsy for cervical cancer that women will be able to do themselves, a DIY that's being developed uh, by a, a medical scientist, Dr. Choi Pui Hua, the founder of WomenX Biotech. Good morning, Dr. Choi. Everyone, I'm Dr. Choi. Dr. Choi, this is, uh, you know, recently I was doing some, some work on liquid biopsy, which is a really uh, interesting, you know, super exciting uh, area of scientific research where they can take a, 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 some kind of liquid from your body, uh, often like a blood sample, and then be able to detect cancer. But you're, you're doing something a little different. Tell us about it, please. Yep. So I am developing a, a self-test kit that uses uh, menstruation blood for the detection of cervical cancer. So um, the user just needs to buy, buy our kit and then uh, use the sanitary to be packed inside. And uh, after the usage, they can take out the special materials inside and put in a uh, bottle that contains a special buffer. And then they drop uh, the buffer. So it's like after illusion, you drop the buffer into a test strip and then you can see the result within minutes. Wow, this is fantastic. And, and getting, now, currently a test like this doesn't exist. What is the current procedure? What, what is this going to replace that makes this so much better? Um, so uh, all the procedures that we uh, use to diagnose cervical cancer are invasive. There are currently there are three procedures. So the first one is a pap smear, which uh, doctors will insert a tube into the vagina for taking some cell samples uh, from the cervical area. And the second method is a, uh, we call a VIA method, uh, which doctors will uh, pour some acetic acid into the vagina and then use a scope uh, to look inside the cervical area and observe any abnormalities uh, around the cervical area. And the third method is for testing the HPV strength. Uh, it's like uh, uh, doctors will use uh, something like uh, a... Um, a um, Actually, the procedure is similar to pap smear. 
So they will insert tools uh, to collect the cells via the surgical area and then test for the HPV, whether it's positive or negative. All three methods are invasive. And what we're developing is a non-invasive detection method of cervical cancer. Um, so um, there's no tool needed to be inserted into the vagina. Instead, people uh, uh, just need to use the sanitary pad regularly, uh, just like what they use, uh, uh, just, just like a regular sanitary pad. So mm-hmm. after the usage, they can yeah do the uh, self-check. Right, but but it's not a regular sanitary pad, is it? You're developing a special one because I, I understand you you can't just take a normal one and squeeze it out and you know get your oh, sample. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're it's a little it's a little more complicated than that, right? Right, right, right. Um, so uh, the sanitary pad we did uh, we designed actually contains a special material. So what why why so special? Uh, is like um, for sanit- uh, for menstruation blood actually so after hours. Um, many microbials will grow inside and this will degrade most of the biomarkers, proteins or DNA in the menstruation blood. So we can't use those markers for detecting cancer. So what we do is uh, we find a material and we synthesize that at the laboratory. Um, the material can prevent the microbials growth. At the same time, it preserves the protein and the biomarkers inside the menstruation blood. So um, the blood that collected by our material can be used for the next step for testing uh, cancer. Right. And Dr. Choi, how accurate is this test? Um, so uh, we are going to run a clinical study which will determine um, the actual accuracy of the test. But based on our laboratory results and some of the findings before, uh, we predict the accuracy will reach 70 to 80 percent. Okay. And how... Uh, uh, like I said, I've, I've done. A, I've looked into liquid biopsies a little bit recently, and I know that when you're testing a new, uh, a new form of liquid biopsy, when you test the effectiveness, you have to test it against some kind of a gold standard, right? So if it's if it's for colon, Correct. yeah. So if it's for colon cancer, colonoscopy, breast cancer, mammogram, w- what is the gold standard that you are comparing uh, your results to? That. Um, so the gold standard we are using is the current method for determining uh, the cervical cancer that the pap smear. Okay, so the Pap smear is your that that is your your benchmark, and what what are the accuracy rates for that for that benchmark right now that you're you're targeting? Um, so uh, the accuracy for I mean the sensitivity of Pap smear is around fifty one to sixty um, percent, which is lower than we expect. It's like usually a diagnosis uh, diagnostic test uh, reaches like ninety percent sensitivity. Uh, this is also the reason why we develop uh, this method because we want to increase the sensitivity of detecting uh, surgical cancer. All right, and in future, will this um, test be able to? Uh, will you be able to use this test to, uh, to uh, detect other kind of illnesses? Um, yeah, this is what we want to develop too. So uh, uh, we are developing developing a platform for collecting the menstruation blood. So uh, the platform. You- uh, not only, I mean, um, so after we finish this cervical cancer detecting, detecting uh, detection project, actually we want to move to like uh, detecting other females' reproductive system related disease, like um, ovarian cancer or endometriosis. Okay, and, and I guess because it's because the cancer is present there, and the, the if there's a tumor, it will shed uh, cancer cells into the menstrual blood if it is anywhere in the in the cycle in the system oh correct um so um because 
when they say cancer, so the cancer cell first will produce some protein that normal cells will not produce. Mm -hmm. And the cancer itself will die. Sometimes uh, yeah, some of them will die and then uh, uh, will uh, mix with the menstruation blood or the vaginal fluid and then be expelled uh, out of the body. So what we are capturing is actually the cancer cells and also the uh, special proteins produced by the cancer cells. Okay, so you are developing this right now in the laboratory, and I mean, it, it's it's not like a pharmaceutical drug where you have to do phase one, phase two, phase three trials with thousands of people. I mean, once you've developed this, uh, what is the pathway to marketing it and having it on this? You know, having it in every Watsons in Hong Kong, so people can just go buy it and uh, do it do it themselves at home. Oh, oh, so. Um, actually, we incorporate this material in the sanitary pad already. So uh, we have a sanitary pad production line in Hong Kong, which mm -hmm. is the first uh, sanitary pad production line in Hong Kong. Uh, because we have difficulties funding manufacturers to help us incorporate the material into the sanitary pad, they encounter a lot of um, technical problems and they all claim that uh, it's, it's not uh, possible to do that. So uh, we uh, collaborate with a mask company in Hong Kong and then set up the first manufacturing line. So now we have uh, material inside the sanitary pad and we'll send the pad uh, to our collaborator uh, for uh, carry out this clinical study. So our collaborator is from uh, City University, mm -hmm. uh, from the public health department and also another collaborator from uh, CHK OBGYN department. Um, uh, for the marketing channel, actually now we are uh, promoting that uh, the basic version sanitary pad, um, uh, and we are going to launch it to the market next Monday, actually, and people can get it from uh, pharmacy stores, uh, and we now are negotiating with Mannings, and we will also put it on Kong TV more, etc. Wow, so this is exciting. It could be on the shelves first anywhere in the world. In Hong Kong, a world leader in biotech and uh, being this movement being led by Dr. Choi Puiwa, the founder of Women X Biotechs. Thank you for coming on the show. Okay, this has been your back chat uh, for today, September 23rd. We've had a few emails and uh, Facebook comments that I did not have time to get into. But uh, if you send an email I didn't get to it, maybe put it on our Facebook page. Everybody, please go give that page a read. Uh, I'd like to give you a quick hit of the weather before we go. It is uh, mainly fine and hot. Max temperature 32 degrees in urban areas and even higher in new territories. So much for the weather turning after Mid-Autumn Festival. Windy for the next few days. Sunny periods and isolated showers during the weekend. The temperature is now 29 degrees and we have 73% humidity. In the volatility of the pandemic, please get the third COVID-19 vaccination dose soon. The antibody level will drop over time after receiving a vaccine. Getting the third jab gives extra protection to guard against the virus. Most importantly, it reduces the risk